up to the site so far and seen the building update. Amen. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's exciting to see. Uh, just the announcement, we have uh, a chair that was added this week. How many of you know every chair matters? Let's thank God for that. Thank you. <clears throat> so we have exciting news next week we'll bring to you about uh, as we're moving forward and, and continuing on. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Once again, <clears throat> we, uh, uh, in the spring, uh, challenged the church to, to raise $300,000 to help offset the cost of the building and and you're doing your part. And I just want to encourage those of you that uh, may be wondering, should we or should we? Uh, yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> to be a part of something great that's eternal. How many of you know there's certain things you can do in this life that don't last? And there are things that do last eternally. This involvement in the church here is an eternal blessing. Can you say Amen. Uh, so thank you for, for all your giving and your faithfulness. And so we only have about 125,000 left. So uh, we're more than past the halfway. Uh, once we, uh, excuse me, uh, once again next week, we have Church 101. If you're contemplating, considering the church, uh, we'd love to have you at that meeting. <clears throat> uh, be in my, uh, my office, uh, depending on how many we have for that. And then I believe it's at 1130. Is that correct? So uh, we'll just talk informally. You can meet the staff and find out more about the church. Amen. Uh, well, let's take a moment and pray, and we welcome those on Facebook that have tuned in. God bless you. We pray God's blessing and health upon you all uh, this service. Let's pray. Father, I humble myself before you, and I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me and give to your people what they need here today. Divinely speak to them, Father. Only you can do that. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen, amen. We're just continuing here on the, the four cups that we've been talking based out of uh, God's promises in uh, our text is, this is the uh, fourth week in our series, Exodus 6, 6, and 7, and I'll just read that. That's been our text. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of of the Egyptians. And then once again, Exodus 6, 6, we're gonna focus on this part. I will redeem you. Somebody shall redeem. Redemption, so we're gonna talk about that, th uh, that uh, third cup. So I have illustration up here, some cups, and we'll hold them up for you, those of you maybe not able to see. But this third cup, Lord says, with outstretched arms and mighty acts of judgment. And so last week, briefly, we talked about uh, the second cup, that cup of deliverance. We know the first cup that we are all to drink of is the promise of eternal life, salvation. And we talked about that the first week that, that is there, that is available to all. You have 70, 80, 90, 20, 100, I don't know, years in this earth to make a decision to drink from this cup. If you refuse this cup, watch this, if you refuse to drink the cup of salvation, what God has provided, a free gift of eternal life, 
you must suffer the consequences. And that is banishment from heaven. I don't know about you, I wanna make it to heaven. Amen? Uh, most of you do, amen. I mean, heaven is real, hell is real. God did not create hell for humanity. He created hell for demons and those that revolted. So if you don't want heaven, you don't want God's plan, there's only one place for you to go. <laughs> you see, see, if you want to go to hell, you will, you know, those who can't stand and think, I don't want to go to heaven, that's not going to be fun. All my buddies will be in hell drinking. Ah, it's not going to be happening, okay? <laughs> and so hell was created for the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, all right? Not for mankind. But if you reject God, there's only one other place for you to go. We don't want that, amen? Pastor, that's so heavy. You better believe it is. You better believe it is. That's why I'm passionate about the preaching and teaching of the gospel and what harvest is about, what the church is about. How many with me say amen? And so that cup of deliverance, the second cup, that was the first cup. Uh, and we talked that, the, that these cups are not just for Israel. I believe that when they came out of Egypt, they're eternal for every believer that comes out of their own Egypt and sin and uh, bondage into God's promises, the promised land. Here's the thing, Church for the Harvest is committed to help you get established in God's promise for your life and your family. That's our commitment. That is our, that is our promise to you, to be an equipping church. When we started this church, if you look in the foyer, some of you maybe never noticed, but our vision and mission statement is there. <laughs> it's not there just because it's cute, because it's what we always come back to our center. We are an equipping church. And that's why you see various people up on the stage and you don't see the pastor doing everything. I want to live long. Amen? And so we need you. We need the whole body of Christ involved. And so there are many ministries. God is adding many people to the, the church here and, and that platform is increasing. Somebody say amen. That's good news. So the first cup of salvation, that takes uh, uh, care of eternity in a moment, in an instant. We were born again. The Bible says our spirit man, our spirit woman. The second cup of deliverance determines our quality of life while we're still on the earth. I don't want to just be saved and broken. Come on now. I want to be saved and delivered. All right? Now, some of, this is a process, but sometimes it takes a while. It takes a while to trust. There's healing <clears throat> and, and it, you know, freedom. Uh, and see, here's the thing. God will use your pain. Watch this. He will use your pain and your brokenness to help bring freedom to others. I'm so broken. I'm so messed up. How could God use me? You're the one. In the Marine Corps, we're looking for, there's the motto, they say we're looking for a few good men, a few good women. God is looking for a few good men and women that'll say, you know what? Take all my brokenness, all the mess I've done, all my screw-ups. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? All my failures. And can you turn that around, God? Because I can't do anything with that. God says, yes, I can. <laughs> and I can help you bless and help somebody on their journey of deliverance. You know, sometimes unless you go through something, <clears throat> you lose a child, you lose a spouse, you go through a painful situation, and, you know, you, you're, you see that person raising their hands and worshiping God, <clears throat> that person is an overcomer. They're an overcomer, and you need what they have in a season of life. And so that's why, that's why deliverance requires community within the body of Christ. You're not going to grow alone as a Lone Ranger. Thank God for those of you on online that tune in that are not able to make it. And, but let me just give a shout out with a smile in a life-giving way. If you're sitting at home because you're lazy to come to church, come to church. 
<laughs> Did I say that in a life-giving way? Really. Some of you can't make it. I get that. You know, when we thank God for social media and how it blesses people all over the world here, even through Harvest. But, but, but go to church. Why? Because there's something of God's corporate presence that, that happens when we come together. The scripture says, not forsaking the assembly. Amen. Just thought I'd throw that out there. So it's the local church. And this second cup is a process uh, uh, for many, many people, myself included. It's getting, even though we're delivered out of Egypt, it's getting Egypt out of me. Right? How many know this? Don't raise your hands. There's still Egypt in us. <laughs> so, so the third cup I want to talk to you very briefly today is this cup of redemption. The cup of redemption, or I would say God's purpose and plan for our life. The third cup. This is the cup that Christ drank. Uh, uh, when he had communion with the disciples. Now, when I think of redemption, I'm gonna date myself back in the 1970s. <laughs> Some of you weren't even born. Actually, probably most of you because the average age of our church is 29. So anyhow, uh, back in the 1970s, what was really big was arcade games, places. Arcades, you know, how many of you have been to arcade? You know, in the mall, mall's kind of dying right now. Nobody goes to the mall. But, but arcade, video arcades, that was big. And so my friend and I, uh, uh, we would ride our bicycles uh, with a couple quarters that we pawned somewhere or got, and, and we would go to the arcade uh, game, and we would play Asteroids, or we'd play Pac-Man, and uh, some of those 1970s games. And that was a, a huge thing, and we'd hang around there. Or if we didn't have any quarters, we'd just pretend you know, that, that we're playing. And I, I, come on, how many know what I'm talking about? When you're 12, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, this was the height of, you know, your day, playing there for hours or walking around. And, and then, you know, we see back uh, from the 70s and then we get into uh, the 1980s, uh, video games started to get into the home. And you have uh, Atari, Nintendo, Game Boy, and it changed the whole uh, arcade scene. But sometimes there, uh, if you would play in the arcade certain games, you would get tickets, right? Some of you had the moms holding all the tickets for the kids, and you just spent 50 bucks there. And you get all these tickets, and so then you would redeem these tickets, so you feed it into a machine, and it was always exciting, feed it in and see those numbers calculate. And they come out and they say, you have 200 points, or you have that you can redeem. And then where do you go? You go behind the glass counter and you go, oh my good. So 12-year-old kid, think about it. Look at that walkie-talkie set, or oh, that Nerf football. And the guy hands you, he goes, here's an eraser with a pencil. That's what you're 200. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, how many more? That, that's 10,000 tickets for that. <laughs> you know, you all know what I'm talking about. Redemption. Redemption. And I think about redeem. What does redemption mean from a biblical perspective? What does God mean? The Hebrew word uh, redeem is gaal. And redemption, it means the payment of price in order to affect redemption, to buy back, to ransom out of captivity redeeming. To redeem in the Hebrew means to regain possession of payment. Once again, to buy back something that was lost. It also has another meaning to avenge, this is a little deep here, avenge of bloodshed or to require blood, which is interesting. It's been translated to avenge or revenge. Numbers 35, 19 uh, talks about the six cities of refuge. If, if you accidentally was swinging a hammer and axe and the head of that hit somebody and it killed them, you didn't mean to do it, right? And so God established six cities of refuge that you can take off and run because 
the neighbors after you and they're gonna kill you. And so if you make it to the city of refuge and God had them strategically placed throughout Israel that none of them were further, that everyone could make it to this city. And so that was the system to set up. And otherwise you could be put to death. It was, it was you know, cold. The law in the Old Testament was, was uh, uh, heavy. But how many know that Jesus paid the ultimate redemption for us all through salvation? That's what the word of God says. And so here's the thing. When I think about uh, what it cost to redeem us, what was the cost? Well, in creation, how many know when God created the heavens and the earth, and we're talking innumerable planets, galaxies, stars, and distance, and billions, trillions, and all of that, it didn't cost him anything because he's almighty. He's God. Now, that's hard for us to fathom in our finite little small minds, but it's hard to, to understand. The cost was nothing to God. But in the redemption, watch this, of mankind, you and us, us, this word redeem, it cost God something. Very costly. What was it? The death of his son. Now, let me just temper that. Once again, redemption requires the payment of a price. And by the very standard of God's justice, that price is life for life. Why did Jesus die on the cross? You hear that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. That's great. And you move on and order a pizza and you could really care less about, you know, it doesn't matter. No, the reason Christ died on the cross because it, our sin from Adam, if you want to blame anyone, was him, was passed down to all of humanity. Every person born on this planet is born into sin. And see, for in order that transgression to be redeemed, it's life for life. So let me ask you this. How many have uh, you know, broken one of the Ten Commandments? I mean, even if you think of some things, you have thou shalt not covet. How I many you know covet's not doing anything outwardly? It's in the mind. Come on now, all right? Some of you just woke up right then. Well, I didn't murder anybody. Well, I'm going to take that guy and that, you know. <clears throat> you know. It's in the mind. And so we've all broken all the commandments. So once, the moment you break one of the commandments, you're guilty of them all. And the penalty is as heavy as death. See, Jesus said, I'm gonna step in front of all humanity because I love you. God made you. You're made in my image, and I'm gonna redeem all of humanity. But you see, a lot of, sometimes ministers leave it at that. You're all good. You're all in. No, you need to be born again. You must first drink of this cup. You must receive it. It's called conversion. Huh? It means you, 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 have, a, you have the authority over your life. I'm the king of my life. Yes, you are. But the king of your life, unless he submits to the king almighty, oh, come on, somebody, is going to have an eternity separated. And so you have a choice. It's like, well, that's cute. That's nice. I don't know. No, you must be born again and drink of this cup and recognize I'm a sinner. I have transgressed God's laws. And you know what? I deserve eternal separation from God. Oh, this is heavy stuff, pastor. You better believe it is. But I receive Christ's forgiveness. That's how we are saved. That's how we are born again. That's how we come into right relations. That's how God changes our spirit, man and woman, and puts his spirit within us. We recognize that sacrifice. We accept and receive it in our life, and we leave one master, the devil in my flesh is king, and we gain a new master, <laughs> a new king, amen? The, the king, the king. How many still with me? Say amen. 
And so we see that Jesus paid the ultimate price. One Bible commentator says this, I thought it was interesting. The picture turns, talking about redemption, from mere legal transactions in freeing a slave, because a lot of times you'll hear illustrations about the redemption of God. He frees us as slaves, that's true, to the heart, watches the heart of a father towards his own children. That's the heart of God. That's what drove him to the cross. Not, well, let me take care of this thing. Let me just go through this agonizing, horrific process here. And you know, He did it for love of us 2,000 years later and those that are, are gonna continue on. Wow, the heart of a father towards his children and his willingness to pay the necessary price to have them back even when that price is most costly. Salvation is free but it's a costly gift. I think we need to, we need to recognize and, and, and understand that. Can you say amen? So Jesus did that, and he satisfied in all of history the justice of God by an innocent, uh, innocent man, half man, half God, uh, paying the price, paying the price. So we see that redemption is the greatest display of God's omnipotence, for it is ultimately the victory of good over evil, the conquest of righteousness over unrighteousness, amen? So when, when God redeems us, he pays for our debt of sin to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That's the first cup we see that we repent and we receive that. And then because of that, we can experience freedom. Somebody shout freedom. That's deliverance, that's the second cup. So God just doesn't want you to get saved and live your own life. He wants you to get saved Fill with his spirit and presence and move on. Get set free. Well, my dad was a violent man and I just can't help it. So I got a lot of anger and, you know, and he beat us kids. And well, you know, hey, you don't have to live that way. There's a cup to drink of freedom and deliverance to break the curse. You know what? God is calling his people today to stop the curse, to stop propagating. It's like, well, I tried. You know what? How many know your kids have a free will? They have a choice. But you see, you do what you can in that moment to be a godly representation, but don't underestimate the power of the local church and the power of community in the life of a child. See, you don't know 20 years from now, God forbid if you to die, and 20 near years from now, some woman, some guy you spent time with, you poured into, you went to Dunn Brothers, or you went to Caribou, or you sat down for coffee, or whatever, and you poured into them, and they're wayward, they come back to God. They come back to church because they say, you know what? I remember her. I remember him. He poured into my life. Come on, somebody. He poured into my life. Look what they did. And, and I got to get back to God. And they'll be in that new church building. Come on now. Worshiping God, praising God, and you're there in tears. How come, God? Because now somebody made a difference. You made a difference now. Hallelujah. God uses our pain to heal others. Thank God for the local church. Can you say amen? Let me stay on track here. So, so we can experience freedom, just like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And, and, uh, uh, but, but also, it, he doesn't want us to camp out there. Now, let me just say this. I've heard people saying, like, I heard one time this guy, well, God's restoring me, and it's been 40 years later, and you're still not. <clears throat> okay, uh, restoration, you know, I can restore a car in a certain amount of time. Come on, Right? So, so, you know, there's a time that we need to kind of grow and move on, and, and God wants us to, to kind of grow up, amen? But sometimes we're deliberately babies. <laughs> oh, oh, don't act so spiritual. 
<clears throat> you know, someone cuts you off, whatever. Where did that come from? I thought I was delivered. Now listen, don't wallow in this. This does take time. This is, this is all throughout our whole life, this cup of deliverance. But you know what? Don't say, I can't move on to anything of God. I, I mean, I've had people say this. I can't serve because I got a lot of issues inside and I got a lot of pain, a lot of, you know what? You may have that, but God wants you to move on. God wants you to move on to the next step. But I'm broken, so aren't we all. Okay, come on. God uses broken people. But if you're in that process with the love of God, you're gonna please the Lord. You're gonna please the Lord as you move forward in the things of God. Can you say amen? To redeem. So God has a plan in redemption for our lives. I want you to see that. Every single one of you. Oh, really, Pastor Mike? Yes, he does. He wanted to redeem Israel from their past suffering, their painful struggles, by turning them as a people into something that could make the other people stronger. Watch this. Make them wiser. Make them more focused on their relationship with him. Sounds like the local church to me. Amen? That's the purpose of it, the plan of God. And you say, well, Pastor Mike, how has Israel been redeemed? You mean you bring up this Old Testament scripture and, and how has Israel been redeemed? Well, let me just say this. If you pull up the slide about Israel, when I think about Israel, God took them from slaves in the mud pits of Egypt, didn't he? Slaves in the mud pit, that's the Western Wall. I was there in 1988, uh, the Feast of Pentecost, and uh, there was just thousands and thousands of, of Jews that were there, and they separate them at the wall, and they just pray at that part because it's the, the last part of the original standing part uh, of the temple, uh, the, the, the temple wall. And, and, you know, how many know the Jews have suffered throughout all, all generations? Like, major atrocities, not just the, the world wars and, and what happened with Hitler, and, but all throughout. Uh, they're constantly attacked. Why do you think that is? Why, you, you, because why? God's hand is on that people of this promise of redemption. And why do you think you're attacked at work? Come on now. Why do you think people sometimes just can't stand you, can't be you know, around you? Why? Because Satan hates the redemptive power in God's people. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to be redeemed. He wants you to stay stuck. So once you get saved, it's like, okay, all right, they're saved. I'm gonna keep them in bondage their whole Christian walk. Amen. <laughs> That's what he wants to do. Keep us broken. You know, that we can't rise up to become what God has called us to become. Israel has been redeemed. When I think about it from the mud pits of Egypt, some of the most influential and successful people in the world are Jews. Now, just think about it. I think and even this is in recent stat, 2021. Israel is ranked in the top 20 out of 140 of the countries considered for the annual global firepower review, the GFP. In other words, their firepower as, as, a, as a country. They have comparable military powers to the countries of Canada, Australia, and Taiwan. Israel ranked seventh most, most innovative country in the world for 2021. Seventh of all of them. Now, some of the greatest minds in human history have been Jewish. To date, Jewish people have won more than 20% of the total number of the Nobel Prizes awarded. There's only eight, 900 of those been awarded the Jews, Jewish people have won 180 of them. Hmm, that's interesting. Areas like chemistry, psychology, medicine, physics, literature, economics, in peace. Even though the Jews, watch this, comprise less than two-tenths of 1% of the world's population. Did you hear that? 
less than, I'm gonna say that again, two-tenths of 1% of the world's population, they are a major force globally because of God. That's redemption. And so you think your case is lost, your story is lost, your life is too broken, he can't listen. I don't see anybody making bricks for Pharaoh in Egypt. Some of you think, I don't, you don't know what I do every day, Pastor Mike. You may feel like that. God's a redeemer. God can take the mess you made and turn it around and turn you into a force for the kingdom. Can you say amen? I would say that God has indeed redeemed them with outstretched arms and mighty acts of judgment. The same is true for us today. I believe that. Redemption means <clears throat> that God enables us to do what we're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> and how many know for the Egyptians, excuse me, the Israelites, it wasn't making bricks for Pharaoh in a mud pit. Now, God freed them to, leave, to live productive and fulfilled lives in the land of promise. So regardless of the modern maybe mud pits you feel that you're in or you find yourself in, God's promises are still for you today. You say, well, <clears throat> let me just interject about when some people in their mind can think, okay, what does that mean? How many know there's nothing wrong with making bricks in a mud pit if that's what you're called to do? <laughs> right? Say, I'm hugely thankful for all the masons, the truck drivers, come on, the asphalt pavers, the dispatch, uh, the carpenters, electricians, the plumbers, come on, amen, the nurses, the doctors, all those that serve, all those that help, and firefighters, all of them, they are all callings of God. And every single day, some of you don't believe this, every single day you need to get up, lift your head high, and go to work and go, I'm part of what God is doing in all the earth. I have traveled this whole globe. I have been in ten, over 10 nations. I've been taking us four to six hours that should be a one-hour drive because nobody bulldozed the roads in the backside of Odessa heading somewhere in Ukraine, driving because there's potholes because nobody came with a bulldozer and took care of that. How many hear what I'm trying to say? We can get to where we need to do. So you think, well, what am I doing? I'm just laying asphalt. No, you're helping people facilitate the kingdom of God. You gotta look at that, that your calling, your job has eternal benefits to the kingdom of God. Some of you just, you just don't see that, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all of those. Those are callings, those are vocations. They are gifts of God. And so here's the thing, work with excellence, whatever you do. I'm just flipping burgers. Well, flip that burger to Jesus' name, amen? <laughs> Be the best you can. I'm not saying you need to stay there. A lot of jobs are just transitionary. That's okay, that's fine. But listen, every single one of you has a plan and a purpose that God has to take you to the next step. And maybe you feel like I'm not at that now, Pastor Mike. Trust the Lord, lean in, watch what God will do in your life. He's bringing you to his purposes. Can you say amen? So once again, redemption means that God enables us to do what we're supposed to be doing. He enables us to do what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, discovering our purpose. And so our redemption, let me just say it this way, is the essence of discipleship. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk on discipleship and what does that mean? And people try to separate, well, you know, we need to make disciples or we need to evangelize. How many of you know we need to do them both? Amen. We need to be out-focused. We need, we need to have both of that happening within and outside of the church. God has called and created us all to be students of Christ, that we are to be learning we are to be growing, amen. We are to be closer to our, our, our heavenly father through the power of Jesus Christ. But pull this up. Discipleship is not necessarily about learning more stuff. 
It's about discovering and developing the reason why we are created and then living it out. See, how many know the goal of life is not just to learn? And sometimes I struggle and I was like, okay, Lord, are we gonna make any effect today in anybody's life? <laughs> I wrestle with that many, many, many times, especially Sunday afternoons or Monday mornings. Uh, sometimes it's 12.01 Sunday, I wonder. <laughs> you know, is it, you know, so, and I think, okay, the point is not just to give you more information. The point is to help to equip you to be what God has called. And so certain things are said under the influence of the Holy Spirit will ignite you, will cause you to step into your destiny. You begin to serve. You begin to give. You begin to be a part of the, the, what God is doing in the earth today. Here, even at Harvest, as God is uh, uh, leaning you that way. So, so how many know learning is important? But I know some people that you walk down their hall and their office and in, in the business and they say, well, I have my doctorate here. And I have my PhD and I have this and I have this. I said, well, what do you do? I'm just a mind. You just know everything. How are you blessing people? How are you helping people? <laughs> Amen. Somebody's like, well, okay. Uh, God wants you to do what he created you to do, not just be a forever learner, which is important. We need to be that. But we need to take what we learn, and we need to live that out. All right? I think you got that. So according to this promise made of this cup of redemption, the third cup, God redeems us very quickly in two ways. So I'm almost done here. How does God redeem us? First, he does it with outstretched arms. Now, how did Christ die? His arms were outstretched on the cross. They nailed him to the cross. So we see when he drank of that cup, that was the cup of redemption, he said, I'm gonna redeem you with outstretched arms. And so we see that. But how else does God redeem us with outstretched arms? Can look at it a different way. How many of you know that when somebody falls, your kid, what is the first thing that you do as a parent? You run over. In our family, the first thing someone starts crying is, you're okay. That's the first thing we say. Uh, but you can tell that cry if it's a, ah, or if it's a, ah, you know, it's like, okay, that's not a you're okay cry. But even you hear that, you're okay. You'll be fine. Blood everywhere. No, it's no problem. <laughs> you're okay. Oh, that nail and the finger's hanging right off. No problem. We'll just bend. You're fine. They're looking at you. I'm not fine. Anyhow. Sorry, kids. Just ruined it for your parents. <laughs> but, 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 but why? God, when we fall, God's outstretched arms are this way. Come on. You stumble, you fall, they're this way. What happened is we try to put leaves and we hide like Adam and Eve did. But God is this way. He's this way towards us. Wow. Outstretched arms towards us. So we, so we can take his hand and get back on our feet. You know, I've said this many times, and most of you know, if you fall, Fall forward, right? Get back up. But some people hurt so bad, they can't or refuse to get up. That's where God reaches down. He lifts you up. And he does it many times in the context of the local church and community. The Bible says in Psalms 18.35 that he, he humbles himself by moving in our direction. As the psalmist says in Psalm 18.35, he says, you stoop down to make me great. God stoops down to lift us up, to make us great. What an amazing verse. So God sees greatness in his people. Many times we don't. We don't see it. If you'd ask me at a 12-year-old kid or 18-year-old kid, is there greatness in you? I'd be like, I don't know. I'm just trying to survive right now all this pain in this household situation, all this dysfunction. Greatness, what are you talking about? <clears throat> I didn't see greatness in myself. 
Actually, I was a below average student, grew up in a large Italian family of eight kids. And uh, I was terrified to even speak in front of people. There was a season I, I started, it was a fear, you know, it, without getting into all of it. I mean, just, just a very dysfunctional family, uh, felt unloved. And I remember this one time I had to give a presentation at school <laughs> in front of the kids. I was horrified. I'm like, nobody helped me. I didn't have, you know, I'm like, How, uh, what do I do it on? And so my dad had a, a dry cleaning business and there was a lot of leathers and they would tan. So I just like, well, maybe I'll just take a little piece of leather and cut it out. And, and I put it on a little board and I talked about how to tan leather or something. And some of you think, ooh, creative. I felt it was horrible, it was horrible. So there was like 40 kids. So I'm baby boomer, post end. So classrooms went from, you know, 15 kids to 60. So I had 40 to 50 kids in there looking, you know, back in the 70s. And the teacher, God bless her, she may be in heaven now because I know she had to be in a believer. She was so kind. She was so understanding. And she's like, you, you could do it, Mike. And I was, she gave me an A, <laughs> probably because of the nice little thing I made. And she was like, you got an A. I'm like, you survived. I tell you, I want to leave and slice my wrist. The end it all. It was so bad. But if I would have let that, I wouldn't be here today. Come on. And some of you, I see you breaking through. You're breaking through. You're not allowing my dad this, my mom that, my past this. Okay, yes, it was horrible. It was painful. I don't minimize it. Let's get healed. Let's drink of that cup. Let's move on to redemption. Amen? Hallelujah. Felt God on that. See, see I was in danger of living the unredeemed life. If I would allow those lies of the enemy. And here's the thing. I'm convinced it often takes us, others to see our God-given potential. My wife is very gifted at that. She's very gifted at uh, uh, mentoring and just kind of more of a, not in a formal way, but just by her, her, her grace and her gifts. And she has blessed many women. She meets, she just has a very steady where I'm like, it's all over. We're all dying. She's like, we're fine. We're good to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really bad out there. Nah, we're good to go. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> she just has the strength that keeps me steady. Come on now. Husbands, you thankful for your wives? You better believe it. And so she has a grace on that. She has an anointing on that to where, you know, crazy people, crazy talk, whatever. She just brings clarity in that. She brings clarity in that. Like, oh, okay, that's right. I probably should do that simple thing. You know, well, it was really simple, but she got his grace during that. That's her grace and gifting. Okay. Now, she's not going to probably go bake a whole meal for you in a pie. That's not her grace. That's just not her area. She can, but I'm trying to say hospitality or some other area. All right, I better get off of this. I love you, honey. Um, <laughs> we can edit that out. Praise the Lord. Let me just stop at our last. <laughs> I said I was in danger of living the unredeemed life. <laughs> my point is we tend to limit ourselves. So we think if I can't do this or I can't do that, then I must not be whatever. I'm not that outgoing. I'm not that feel like uh, I'm more task oriented. So I can't, no, God has graced you for who you are to bless somebody and more than one person, many people. Why? We tend to limit ourselves and become too self-critical. That's why we need each other. That's why God established the local church. I'm almost done. My second point right here. The other way God promises to redeem us is through mighty acts of judgment. 
And I ask, you know, who and what is God judging? Watch this. God's mighty acts of judgment are reserved for the enemy of our souls. Like any protective parent, God never hesitates to confront his kid's enemy. Isn't that right? I mean, find out, hey, what's going on here? You're going to protect your children. See, here's the thing. The devil has his own plan for your life. God has a redemptive plan. He has a purpose, but we know the enemy has a plan for your life to get you stuck, to get you not even to start this process of drinking the promises of God for your life. Uh, He will do anything to obscure your identity as a child of God. He will derail your true purpose. I remember I talked to this uh, one individual, and she was a younger girl, and and, and asked about, you know, what made you make these choices? And, and she said this. She said, the friends at school when she was in seventh and eighth grade, which is a very difficult time for kids that junior high, she goes, they all started laughing at me about a certain thing, and, and they were critical, whatever, and, 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 and it affected me so much. Where do you think the root of that is? That's the enemy, right? That's the enemy. He's attacking your identity. He's coming. He's like, that's not who you are. This is who you are. No. See, and if you just give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. Obviously, we know we've heard that, but that's a fact. He wants to obscure your identity as a child of God. He wants to derail the true purpose of God in your life. And he succeeds all the time, sadly, because we listen to his lie. The devil's going to undermine your efforts and try to keep you from finding your dream. And here's the thing. He will put anything he can in your way. Let me clarify Anything, a guy, a girl, come on now. He will put anything. He will put a job. I've heard people just say, you know what? I got this opportunity, and I'm going to make a six-digit figure. I've never made that money before. It's like, okay, great. Where are you moving to? Such and such state. Have you found a church? Well, there's nothing really near there. Is it worth it? Gain the whole world and lose your soul. People don't say, anytime my wife and I, we move from one state to another, where is there a church that we can plug into? Where, come on now. Oh, he's just saying that because he's a pastor. That's what we did. Where is there a church? Where is there a place that we can call the house of God for us and we got plugged in? One place it took us 16 weeks to become a member. We just make it a 30-minute class. 16 weeks, I felt, do I need to give my left arm, my right arm, or blood? Do you need my blood timing? After 16 weeks, we came up, and they're like, you're members now. This is back in the 80s. We're members now. I was like, we're moving to Minnesota. You know, we moved. <laughs> uh, so, but, but you know what? I don't despise, you know, they were really thorough. But the point is, we make it really simple. Church 101, get to know who are we spiritually responsible for? Anybody that walks through those doors, we love, we pray, we petition, but The more God adds to the church here, the more we're spiritually responsible for, the more leaders need to be raised up to help shepherd all those people. Can I get an amen? That's why pastors get burned out. Do you know that? They only last three to five years. We're coming on what, 28 years? We're still here. Some of you think, when is he gonna leave, you know? (laughs) But they get burned out because they can't take it anymore. They just don't wanna deal with it. They just wanna, you know, it's just so, they're on call, they're jack of all trades, they're dealing, but they have not learned the beauty of equipping. To equip, to say, you know what, you're authorized to minister. You're anointed to minister. You're, you know, you have the gift of God to bring healing. And they don't release the people that try to do everything themselves. I'm not gonna be that guy. 
I'm not that guy, amen? I see the gift of God in you. It's like, okay, great, you're anointed for that. You can do that, amen? All right, I'm rambling on here. Let me wrap this up. The devil has his own plan. He will do anything he can to, to put anything in, his, in your way to hijack that. So even the Apostle Paul, 1 Thessalonians 2.18, 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says, we wanted Paul, the apostle, is saying, we wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. You know, it's an interesting word in the Greek if you look it up. In the Greek, their word prevented means to cut a ditch across the road. It's an obstacle that stands sharply in the way of moving objects. To sharply impede, it means. Uh, by cutting off what is desired or needed. It means to block, to hinder. It's what robbers would used to do. They would cut a ditch in the road that when travelers would be forced to stop and in that moment they would attack them and they would you know, steal from them and, 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 and bring pain on them. And so basically they become sitting ducks. They would be robbed. So the ditch, now watch this. Satan, his demons dig. It's there to impede your progress. Why? He wants to cut off. He wants to stop you along your journey with whatever it may be, an offense or whatever, a hurt, and uh, just to create a, a diversion. So what happens? You take a different route. Some of you are thinking, oh my God, I remember when I took a journey that lasted a decade and a half. Or oh my, you know, some of you think, you young kids, you need to hear this. You'd be very prayerful about opportunities that come your way that may be very tantalizing, but they remove you from the purposes of God that he had you. People are coming and going. Listen, God's bringing people from all over the country to this area. <laughs> you think this area's not gonna grow? It's exploding. This area's gonna explode with new people. And, and God's bringing them, he's bringing them in. They're not even yet in our church, but they're coming. <laughs> they're coming. You're gonna go, where did that couple come from? Where are that? They're my best friend. Well, we were in, you know, we were in New York. <laughs> we were in California, whoever, you know, they're flocking from. And, 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 and God is, he's doing that. But see, Satan cuts a ditch. That's what it means. And so he cut a ditch and prevented the apostle Paul from wanting to go to a place. Wow, think about that. Stand with me if you would, please, this morning. How does he do it? Satan, he loves to use, use everyday problems. Now watch this. Everyday problems to create divisions in our lives. Why? Because Satan does not want you to drink of this cup of redemption, what was provided for you through Christ. He wants to cut a ditch where you go, you know what? That's okay. Yes, I'm a believer and... God's work in my life, but I can't do that. I can't serve in that capacity. Who am I? Where's, you know, I, I'm not able to, you know, what, whatever. How could I, you know, serve in this capacity or whatever it may be? He doesn't want us drinking from that cup, this cup of redemption. He's out to hinder us, to prevent us traveling down the redemptive road that God has for us. And for many of us, we need to learn the secret of focus. Say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? Not being nearsighted. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So how do you know uh, I'm nearsighted? How are your prayers? Oh, Jesus, I need a new job today. And 
Oh, oh God, there's nothing wrong with that to pray for that. But, but, oh Jesus, I'm feeling this pain in my back. Oh Jesus, please help me with happiness today. Oh Jesus, I'm really not, you know, feeling fulfilled. Oh Jesus, I'm so sad today. How many of you know we got a lot of self-centeredness going on here? Come on, let me just throw this out. How many have prayed for the new church building? Don't raise your hands on that. How many prayed for anything this week outside of your problem? Wow. I have, to, I have to align my own life. Others. God has called us to think of others. See, here's the thing. When you think about others and you pray for others while you're hurting, God pours out on you. God pours out on you and he does something. He interrupts you along the way where Satan cuts a ditch. You evade it and a blessing comes in your life because you're thinking of others. Hallelujah. So in conclusion, when we talk about finding a redemptive calling, I would say the best way is to understand your divine design. Simply put, your design will reveal your destiny. Your design will reveal your destiny. God didn't breathe life into you and think, hmm, now what am I going to do with this one? What am I going to do with this one? Let me just think about that now. I created him. Let's just shove him or her off to the side to figure out what I want to do with him. No, just the opposite happened. God had something in mind for you to do, then he created you. Did you get that? Can you see why many of you feel Satan has been cutting ditches? He's trying to distract me from the purpose and, uh, and the, the, the plan that God has for my life. And God, he saw a need, a hole, a vacancy in the world. Then he designed you to fulfill a specific thing. A specific thing. And here's the thing. Let's just be faithful, whatever it is. Whatever that is. That's the thing that God's going to look, not in the end of all it's, he's going to look and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because of this thing I've called you to do. Sometimes we need to just stay in our lane. <laughs> it's, that's a challenge for all of us. Let me just pull this up about spiritual gifts, our last uh, uh, slide here. You each receive a spiritual gift. Spiritual gift, watch this now, is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together we can advance his purposes in the world. Pastor Mike, I don't know what it is. We have some great tools to help you. We got a lead class coming up. <laughs> There's only three spots left, but, but we got a lead class. I think Angie would take a few more. They're going to be talking about disc. You've never heard that D disc, not Frisbee disc. No, we're talking about disc personality. Okay, if you've never, you don't understand what you are, I know it is. I know what my wife is. I know what our staff is. You need to understand how God created you. These are great ways. Myers, Briggs, uh, uh, there's a, a number of them that, that are working genius, uh, the personality types. And there are many different ways for you to begin the process of drinking this cup of redemption. But you got to understand and know yourself. You may look and go, wow, craftsmanship is my grace. I'm not the guy that is at the front door greeting people. I don't have a really outgoing personality. No problem. But you know what? Something broke. I can fix it, Pastor. <laughs> Amen? See, we don't see these things as important. But these are all part of God's purpose and plan for our life. Every head bowed, please, this morning. First step, finding your purposes is free. <clears throat> it's salvation. It's the first cup. The second cup is deliverance. I want to encourage you, don't rush the process. It's ongoing. But don't camp out there. We can never really effectively live out our purpose until we've dealt with our past wounds. 
I'm not talking perfection. Not camping out there. Come on. But how can we minister life if we're just totally broken? The third cup of redemption is God's purpose for your life. And you need to find that. You need to discover that. That's on you. We are here as a church to help you, to equip you in that. Don't just shake this off and think, oh, well, no big deal. There are practical things to help develop and you discover your spiritual gift. And when people see you operating, you know what they do? They walk by and go, that's his gift, man. That He is so, that's her gift. Some of you right now, you're a potential door greeters. You're so loving and kind and outreach and you just got a big smile. It's like, man, I want to see you when I come to church. You'll encourage me. You know people like that. That's who you need. Every person has a gift. Amen. With every head bowed here this morning. That is one of the main purposes of Church for the Harvest, to advance the purpose of God in all the world. You're here this morning saying, Pastor, I need, a, I need to step in. I need to step in this plan and purpose for God for my life. I've drinking of the first cup. Some of you may have not. Maybe you're listening online. If you said, you know what? You refused the first cup. This is a great day for you to get right with God. The Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Would you pray with me as I lead you in a prayer for you to seal in an instant, in a moment, your eternal destiny by taking the first step for your deliverance. If that's you, pray with me. Say this. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Jesus, thank you for saving me. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that and you meant it, you know what that means? You willingly drunk of the first cup. You have eternal life. Well, I feel the same. It's okay. By faith, you've received Christ in your life and he's given you a new nature. You still have to deal with some of these other issues, growing in our faith, but you're starting off on the right foot. And we rejoice with you. We rejoice with you. Amen. Amen. I want to invite the altar workers to come forward. Thank you for your attendance here this morning. Uh, they are here to pray with you, stand in agreement with you. Um, maybe some things that were touched upon here this morning. You just need additional prayer, prayer of agreement, the prayer of faith. Maybe it's a healing issue. I don't know, but these are safe people. They're here for you. They're prayed up. They're here to minister life to you. Don't leave here today without taking the step of faith. If you need prayer and agreement, they're here for you. Let me bless you. Father, I bless the people of God today. I thank you for protecting them, keeping them strong and healthy. Raise up those that are sick today. Strengthen them in their physical bodies, in their minds, I pray. I thank you that you are the Redeemer and you redeemed our lives with outstretched arms and mighty acts of judgment. We thank you, Lord. We make a decision today to drink of that cup of redemption. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much.